the Garden Hose Australia podcast, where we talk all things gardening. Your hosts, Jamie and Erin, will wander down the garden path with tea or gin in hand and discuss gardening loves, hates, new discoveries, interview some of our garden heroes, visit inspiring gardens and continue a discussion about plants that started over 30 years ago in primary school. Hello, ho. Hey, ho. How do you go? <laughs> I go all right. <laughs> How was your um your haughty week? Another very big week in horticulture. There were plants. There were more plants. There were some people. I saw some things and I loved it. I saw on uh, Instagram you had some very mossy looking, was that a path covered in moss? It's, um, yes, best mossy path ever. I don't know if there's an award for that. There should be. We could make one. But was it very slippery? <laughs> no. And this was the exciting thing. So let me backtrack and tell you where I was. All right. My sister, she says to me, we should go to this open garden. It's in one of our favourite streets in Sassafras, the Crescent. Ah, oh, I know that street. It's a, oh, it has yes. some very uh, fancy places there. It has some real estate and it has some gardens. And uh, my sister is engaging the services of a landscape um designer because that's not my strength area <laughs> had a sister who was in horticulture could sort that out but that's that's not my strength so I just don't engage I'm like no you'll need a different sort of professional to me so um her landscape designer said oh you should go to this open garden maybe for some inspiration um but all I think it said was get mossy paths and a glass house <laughs> that was a very nice glass house. In fact, it was almost an orangery. Mm, except what you don't pick up from the photos is that sometimes it's about having a curated life, Erin. Oh, right. <laughs> what is the point of a glass house if it's in full shade? Ah, okay. Well, I guess it keeps the frost off and it makes things a little bit warmer. And it looks fabulous. It did look fabulous. Um, look, it was a fabulous-looking greenhouse. We checked that out and then um, we walked down the property. There's a creek at the bottom and these, these wonderful mossy paths and they weren't slippery. I couldn't believe it. How are they not slippery? I think because they weren't wet. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Because up here I've been to quite a few open gardens up around sort of Mount Macedon Way and I suppose... Oh, no, I've been there at different times of year and uh, the paths, I remember one time just edging along. It was getting it was so slippery. It was, it was practically dangerous. And I was thinking, yeah, I don't know about living up around <laughs> that high. I, I couldn't believe it. And uh, my sister commented to me about, is it slippery? Because I was in front. I was taking one for the team. <laughs> I was on open garden reconnaissance. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't slippery, but they looked fabulous. Mm. And with some lovely um, plants there in the gardens. Look, it was more about the general vibe 
they did have this. <laughs> it's the vibe of the joint. I think they do accommodation as well. Um, okay. And they had a fabulous spa house that appears that you could rent. It was delightful. Um, but they had what appeared to be an old grass tennis court and it had a marvellous stone retaining wall mm. and a great big old uh, wisteria vine growing up a tree. I think I posted the tangled vines. Oh, yeah, um, oh, I did see that. Oh, that's what that was. That was a wisteria growing yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, so it had um, good bones. Great bones. Great bones. Like you and I. Yeah, great bones. Um, I think that's what people comment on us I, I think that often comes up in our comments oh gee you two have got great bones <laughs> that's a bit of a backhander it's not really the compliment you want is it <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said it sometimes people want to talk to me about my cheekbones um who we walked down to the creek and they had some beautiful seating down by the creek and they'd built a deck across the creek which I really liked mm, I should have taken a photo nice. I didn't I'm just describing it to you a deck Across the creek, two chairs on it. Oh, that'd be nice in summer, wouldn't it? Yes, as long as you had your mozzie repellent on. Yeah, actually, they've started coming out already. I think. Mm. We mm. had. I put um, on Instagram that I we've got a little friend. Well, not really little, a bloody big uh, blue tongue lizard now hanging out in our greenhouse. Did that? Yeah. I'm very happy with. Apparently, not that we've actually had much in the way of snails in there yet. They apparently eat the snails. Um, yeah, and they'll go after a few other bugs. So I'm uh, happy for him to hang around there. Habitat. And he's less likely to get um, whippersnipped. Well, it is the whippersnipping season. Mm. We have, it is the big mo, the big mo on this uh, last weekend and this weekend. We've got, you know, me, Tom and my son. And actually, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting your story. I, I do have big news on that front got a new whippersnipper god it's a still and it's a petrol powered one so we already have one petrol powered one but it's quite a big hefty one so you really have to strap into a big harness and i find that like like i get a bit sore after being on that for half the day so this is like the next size down so it's still petrol powered so the one that i had been using was battery powered one and see, anyone else listening who does a lot of whippersnippering will be appreciating this right now. The rest of you, go make a cup of tea. <laughs> so um, my, the battery-powered one, like, it's really lightweight, which is great, except for the fact that, like, the battery, I maybe get, like, 35 minutes out of it and then 40 minutes and then I've got to go and charge up the battery again and it's just a pain, whereas another petrol-powered one, I, like, I've got all the... Um, you know, two-stroke there, ready to go. So I can keep going, keep going. Oh, we're out of petrol, top it up. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Um, and it's got a little sling instead of, because it's not quite as heavy, I don't need to clip into the full harness. It's just got a sling. Uh, but the good thing is it uses the same line as my um, battery-powered one because I have the most enormous, enormous reel of that. So I can keep using that So. Happy days. Two questions. All right, go right ahead. Number one, bump feed head. Yes. Have you tested your bump feed head? Uh, I haven't, but Tom did, and he seemed pretty happy with it. That was question um, 1B because mm -hmm. the second question really was what kind of handle does it have? Have you got handlebars or the D handle? It has 
Oh, I think this one has the handlebars. Um, yeah, because my that's the difference. The other big petrol-powered one we've got has got the handlebars. I think it's the same as that, whereas my battery one has, like, the D handle. But this is this one's the one where you can, the bars that you can turn it around. I think you and I have a similar setup in our households where we have all stature husbands. Mm, yes. I am not of the tall stature. <laughs> no. And I don't think one can be expected to use the same brush cutter, whipper snipper setup as a tall husband. Mm. No, well, that was the problem with the big <laughs> petrol powered one that we have. The problem with that was that the harness thing, well, the way you need to clip in and clip in on a certain part on the bar, we had to keep adjusting it if I used it or Tom used it. So now this one can just be set for me and, well, well, Hugo, my son's using it. Uh, well, he will be. And um, he is slightly taller than me. <laughs> so we're probably going to have one summer of overlapping similar size. <laughs> yes, the only overlap I have is my, my son is wearing my Merry People gumboots. Is he? <laughs> they're great in a sandpit. They are. They're, they're good everywhere, aren't they? I'm thinking I might need a second pair. I might need I'm like thinking, a different, different coloured pair. I'm thinking you should because I never will again. Oh, why? I don't find them all that comfortable. And I think they're taking the piss out of me with their suburban type grip. Is their what? Suburban grip. What's their suburban have, grip? Meaning if you live in the flatlands, sure, where you marry people, but... I consistently think I'm going to take a dive on my driveway wearing them and ah. I almost slipped over in the bustling metropolis of Belgrave one day because <laughs> of the lack of grip on them. Ah. If you can get different ones now that um, have more they grip. Are. Yeah, they've got a thicker sole. Yes. Yeah, there's a there's a new line out. Look, I saw a roaring trade in a different brand of gumboot when I was at the Wandon Field Days a couple of weeks ago. And I quizzed a lot of ladies that came into our work stall about, oh, I see you have a, a boot box there. What did you buy? Oh, gumboots, they said to me. I'm like, have you had those before? And all of them said no, but they didn't want to spend the money on the merry people. Ah, right. And um, Potentially cutting off a future sponsor here, Jamie. Here's the point. If only one of us can wear the product. All right. All right. Well, However, everyone else I know loves them. Yeah. Most of my friends have multiple pairs. I'm the only person I know that wouldn't repurchase them. You might still get a sponsorship now, now that we've covered that it's only yeah. me. I'm the only person I know that doesn't love them. Now take me back, circle me back to your plants for this week. Oh, look, I think we started with the end in mind because I had open gardens right down the bottom of my list. But let me tell you about my highlight. You might have seen me on the Instagram hugging a big tree. Mm, yeah, what was that all about? It was about trees and I love them. This is good because I have several tree questions for you today. To do my homework that I promised you that I would do, just letting you know that. <laughs> I've got some other uh, ones that I didn't tell you about that okay. I'm just going to keep you on your feet. So I have okay. every confidence you'll be able to answer those. Look, that's how I normally roll and you know that I'll make it up if I don't know it. Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> um, so I've got a friend that owns a historical garden in Emerald. Emerald is mm -hmm. road from Belgrave. I'm just giving you context. Dandenong Rangers. Home of the Puffing Billy. Puffing Billy train, yes, the steam mm -hmm. train runs through there. It's fantastic. So this garden is called Stonecroft and it might be part of 
the Nobilius Garden and Estate. So Nobilius was um, the name of the nursery and it was one of the first big nurseries in the Dandenong Ranges and it was one of the first big nurseries growing fruit trees and they used to send them down into Melbourne for customers down there, um, so selling them bare root in winter. And so my friend Lucy and her mum Heather live at, with their associated family members, <laughs> live at Stonecroft and it is magnificent and the driveway is lined with these chestnut trees they weren't sure how exactly how old they were but approximately 140 years old oh goodness and oh my goodness everywhere we turned they're like oh we'll take you for a walk we'll show you around everywhere we turned we had to stop for me to pack the leaves of trees and hug them and that that photo on instagram was me hugging an enormous copper beach oh, and I love a copper beach oh I tell you, I have not seen a beach collection this good in I don't know when. And, you know, I'm always seeing beach collections, Erin. <laughs> always. Do they open it to the public at all? No, but we wonder they will. You have to be like a garden hoe variety to get in. Or it could be that Lucy has been saying to me for about a year, you should come and see it. And I'm like, yes, I'd love to. And then I went to uni and I had no time for anything. But because I finished uni for a bit, got in, had a look, great day for it. And so in terms of beech trees, there was that enormous copper beech. And then there were several of those around and a magnificent tricolour beech where mm. it has white, pink and green on the leaves. Ooh. Oh, they're very good, very, very good. And a cutleaf beach. Oh. And, oh, I tell you, beach heaven. And, oh, they had fantastic ixias and spiraxias and just oh, beautiful, beautiful mollus azaleas. And oh, lovely. So much fantastic stuff um, that I can't even remember at all. I think my, my brain was overcome with horticultural joy it was really really fantastic and then um lucy led me down the garden path <laughs> and showed me a most excellent specimen of a calmia i'll shoot you a photo I'll shoot you a photo of a calmia spell that for me god when we do the spelling thing <laughs> primary school i'm standing at the front of the class and mr <laughs> tippett who I had nightmares about for 10 years after primary school, is saying, spell Calmia. K-A-L-M-I-A. Yeah, that's it. I just looked it up. It's the mountain laurel, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah, um, Calmia latifolia. That's Ooh. one. Now, I'm going to shoot you a picture of Lucy and Heather's Calmia because it is a ripper. And often when you photograph them on the internet, oh, sorry, when you see them on the internet, then they don't... They don't look as awesome as they are in real life. They remind me of oh, almost like little icing decorations on a cake. Mm-hmm. They're in bud. And then the stamens of them, when they're open, fall back into the creases of the petals. And they are just a fabulous plant and super-duper rare these days. They're a bugger to propagate. Oh, gee, those buds, you've just sent me this picture. All right, so I'm going to put this picture up when I load this uh, podcast up this week. I'm going to load up this picture with it because that's amazing. It's amazing. Mm. Um, Lucy said I could take cuttings off it, so I'm very, very excited. Mm. She had two of them, just such beautiful plants. Oh, just everywhere she took me, there was just all these fabulous little plants popping out. I, I always... In my mind, I get tangled up 
Ixias and Spiraxias. But oh, she had so do this, I. I never know the difference. <laughs> if I looked it up, maybe I could sort it out in my brain. But she had these gorgeous peach coloured ones and some pink ones. And um, or oh, she said I could have some. Mm. And do a little plant trade. Oh, that sounds good. The trees there are so amazing. They've got, um, I think, sort of historical trees of significant overlay on them, so they can't remove any trees, but just an amazing property, amazing trees, a lot of work. It's so nice that they're there together, gardening together. And Lucy's mum, Heather, is like a composting queen. She, oh. if, you, if you stand still long enough, I reckon she'd try and compost you. <laughs> Put you through the chipper. <laughs> yeah, I reckon she would. Blood and bone. She's got compost piles everywhere. Oh, it's just wonderful, wonderful. And they've got an old section of orchard and some things that are dying and getting replaced and other trees that they're pruning and rejuvenating, but just some fabulous plants and lots of fabulous perennials. And um, I often see them at places like the Ferny Creek Horticultural Society purchasing perennials there from antique perennials and I can't remember the other one, where I bought all the GMs. You didn't buy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought that was from Antique Perennials that you bought them from. Or was Um, it Dye's Delightful Plants? That. Or Botanical botanical Treasures? They were another one. Definitely one of them, but there was a couple of things there. I'm like, oh, what's that? And they had the tags in them still. Yeah, I recognise those tags. (laughs) I see where you've been shopping and you made the right decision. Speaking of trees, I've been thinking about I've been thinking for a couple of years about there's this particular spot um, out sort of behind our house where we've got some garden area that Tom and I think would be a good spot for a, one big specimen tree that then we will, as it grows, we'll keep the crown a little bit higher so that can be a nice shady tree in summer that we sit underneath and it will also block some of the wind and uh, stuff coming through towards the kitchen garden and but we've never been able to really you know agree on what tree we want and I don't know if this is a good specimen or not but there's a tree I see around this area a bit that looks beautiful at this time of year which is a um, catalpa an Indian bean tree yeah and it's quite fast growing which does make me think oh maybe not hugely long-lived which is often the case with fast growing trees but there's some really big ones all down high street here and um beautiful big leaves and you know that the springtime flowers on them and really they seem to do well without being irrigated over summer clearly because they're deciduous will cope with the frost and that sort of thing so i'm thinking that could be a contender um, well, I think this is a good sign. If you've seen it growing locally and it's growing well, that's a good sign. Yeah, look, the other one we're thinking about is a red, a big red maple, like an Acer rubrum or something, like a Canadian maple. Take longer to establish but a bit more spectacular with the foliage. After last, the last episode where I was talking about rhododendrons um, and loving the idea of these fragrant ones, would they grow here? And you said, well, have you seen any growing? And I said, I haven't really noticed it. Can I tell you, for the last two weeks, I have seen them everywhere. So, yes, they do grow locally. That's all you need is the, I, I don't know, I'll have a look, and then all you are seeing is those. But this is this is great because this means that I can now hook you up with roadies. Oh, yes, I even got a message from your sister this weekend saying, oh, listen to the last episode, I have rhododendrons you can take cuttings from. Only she had a sister that lived 15 minutes away from her with propagation abilities to take the cuttings for you. Well, I'm, I'm fairly confident when she said that, she meant I will have Jamie take cuttings for you. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Tell me about your other plant finds this week. I went to Stonecroft Tuesday morning after I'd done school drop-off and I got bailed up by my son's school principal. We'd been talking about some plants for the school and because this time of year my brain is hectic, I've got one class left of horticulture before all the results are due, um, so I've got a lot of marking and mm. encouraging the youth of Australia. <laughs> By God, encouraging and motivating and supporting the youth of Australia can take a bit of energy. In my mind, nothing is actually happening until after mid-November, but that's not true. It turned out the school working bee was just the other day and that I, I think, had maybe said that I could procure plants for, <laughs> for a garden bed. And because uh, the principal seemed really like, it's like, oh, so, you know, I really want to get some plants for that garden bed before the working bee. And I'm like, oh, when's the working bee? Is that next week? He's like, no, no, it's this Friday after school. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Is that- yep, totally <laughs> on top of that. That's what I was expecting. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and he was talking to me and looking at me like I was going to be there. So I smiled and nodded. And he's like, I was just wondering if we could get the plants for that garden bed. I'm like, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. And then I left there and went, only day I can do that is today. So I went to visit Lucy and Heather at Stonecroft in the morning, came home for a quick lunch, and then straight off to Plant Multi to purchase plants for the school. The principal had mentioned in passing that quite likes pink flowers. So by God, I bought some pink flowers, Erin. I cleaned the joint out. This is now the pink garden bed. (laughs) Well, it's all all natives, but there's a lot of pink going on. I bought the brightest pink calistamins I have ever seen. Oh, it's funny you say that because there's a new nursery that's opened up in Kyneton just in the last few weeks and they had pink calistamins there. And I was thinking, ooh, I've actually, I've seen them, I think, on the telly but I haven't actually uh, seen them here. We have some red calistamins here because Farmer Tom loves a calistamin. Yeah, so I'm thinking maybe in his future there'll be some pink calistamins. Oh, well, let me know. Um, I can <laughs> can get some for you. Let me see if I can find a photo for you. Oh, yeah, shooting you through the photo of how pink they are. Like, mate, pink. And Ooh, I okay. chuckled away to myself as I was purchasing them about, so he likes pink. I really hope he meant it. And then I cleaned the joint out of pink kangaroo paws because they didn't have many. Nice. Um, so one of the things about me in life is I love even numbers. Love them, <laughs> love them, love them. However. <laughs> totally random thing. Yes. When it comes to horticulture, in terms of planting out plants, I can only work with odd numbers. Right. So, But, but didn't you just say you like even numbers? Yes, except for... When I'm planting, I can't. Oh, okay, work. yeah. No, but that but makes general, sense. Yeah, you know, I want an even number in my life. But when it comes to planting out plants, they're odd. They have to be odd. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I think it should be in threes, five, sevens. Yes. Um, normally, my sidekick Angie. It's actually I'm her sidekick. Really, <laughs> I don't think anything would get done if it wasn't for Angie. And I just show up and try and steal the glory. But she wasn't available. She was doing this crazy thing like working. So I had to, I tried texting her, but she was focused on her job. So I had to go and make executive decisions about quantities of plants and it all turned out all right and it came up a treat. So the school principal was talking about, oh, if we get the plants, then we can get people to plant them out at the working bee. Angie and I decided we weren't comfortable with that. (laughs) 
we weren't okay with the general public doing that. So uh, we planted them Thursday morning and then they got mulched at the working bee. Because you, know, you and I talk about soil and soil health a lot and improving soil. And I was very uncomfortable with the fact that there was this fabulous new garden bed. It's been landscaped with mud rocks. It looks like it's got great potential and it's been backfilled with I'm going to say the words, I want you to look at the finger quotes in your mind, everyone listening, <laughs> I'm doing finger quotes in the air, topsoil. Right. I don't even know what topsoil is when you buy it in, but I don't believe it for a moment. And so because I've just bought all these beautiful babies, I can't just go and plant them into topsoil because it's not good and it's not right. So I um, I took buckets of composted horse poo and... Um, compost from my home to give everyone a little handful and I've got some awesome mycelium growing in the sawdust in my chicken yard Mm. Um, and because they've put fresh mulch onto this garden bed I thought oh I can inoculate the joint with mycelium poor principal had to listen to me he's I forgot to say to Andy I might take the ute so I loaded up the x-trail with plants and compost and horse poo and I was looking (laughs) at it like yeah, should have taken the ute. Um, and then as I unload all this stuff and the principal, he's so excited, I'm like, look, I bought mycelium. <laughs> mycelium. <laughs> it's like you bought me some mouldy stuff to go on my new garden bed. But then we came up with this amazing plan of why don't we plant some inoculated oaks in the schoolyard for future fundraising? <laughs> like five to ten years, we could start getting truffles, you know, Enough with all your bloody trivia nights. We could just be selling truffles. Well, Farmer Tom planted some inoculated oaks here in the bottom of our orchard. They're going. Uh, well, they're slow growing. <laughs> Maybe more than five to ten years. Yeah, I think you're a bit ambitious. <laughs> the well, future best time. Best time to plant a tree. Twenty years ago or today. Well, you're doing it now. In twenty um, years' time, the people there are. Thank you. Will because oh wow who was the visionary that said we won't benefit from this but future generations will oh they'll have a plaque they'll sing songs about you just play our theme song yeah that'd be all right that'd be (laughs) actually maybe not at some primary school (laughs) home is a legitimate horticultural digging tool this is true I have to keep reminding people of this there's a bit of confusion out there about that love a double entendre yeah, I think that's it. But I, I just don't know where people's minds are going these days, Erin. I have uh, some fruit tree questions for you. So we, our, our orchard's going pretty well. Their trees there, are, most of them are about four-year-old. There's a couple, there's a few that are two-year-old. They're going pretty well. Haven't had too many casualties. Now, uh, we never, not that we're getting to the fruiting stage yet. We've letting them all grow up before we start expecting fruit. Um, but the peaches and nectarines that are there have all got the leaf curl on them and I have never successfully got to the point. I know you mean to spray them with something like copper spray at a certain time and I never get to them in time. Now, is it just when the buds start appearing I should be spraying them? For bud burst. So in winter, all the buds start moving. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm giving you this advice, but I never get to it on time either. <laughs> I have a sprayer, I have the copper, but I never get to them on time. And um, 
So I've got one dwarf nectarine tree at home that cops it every year. Um, and then we've got an orchard at work. And it's really difficult in terms of what days I'm there. Is it going to rain today or not? Is it the school holidays? So probably I'd be thinking your mid-year school holidays would be a great time to aim for spraying copper. Oh, so quite on your... early then. Yeah. So you don't want the buds moving as in swelling and growing, when you spray them with copper. Why is this? I mean, I know nothing about what the copper spray does to it. Basically what's happening in the process of leaf curl is leaf curl, it overwinters in the little creases of the dormant buds. So where Mm. the buds sit next to the stems, it, it just takes fragments of the leaf curl to Overwinter. So overwinter is a term that's used for pests and diseases that survive the colder months. So in terms of pests, often if you have good garden hygiene where you don't leave stuff lying around and you don't leave weeds to overgrow near your fruit trees, that helps cut down on habitat for your pests to keep warm so that when it starts to warm up again, they start breeding. So stink beetles and shield beetles are a classic for that, that um, there's not much that can treat them. And one of the best ways to control them is good garden hygiene. And then with leaf curl, really the only thing you can do is spray it with copper in winter, as far as I know. That is relatively safe. Like if you were an organic farmer, you would be doing that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to get leaf curl. And then once that occurs, what you need to do is your plant is really stressed because it can't photosynthesize. So a lot of the leaves will drop off oh. and some of your stems will die because they don't have leaves on them. So you'll get a little bit of dieback. So you are now at the stage where you need to support your tree through to next winter when you can spray it. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense about them not being able to photosynthesize. um, And then that curled leaf has caused me some issues at work this year. For the first time ever, I got a nasty outbreak of black aphids. Oh, really? And I've I've never seen them before. And it's really interesting because we've got got roses with uh, parasitic wasps that will lay their eggs in the aphids. So we've got a lot of that going on, but I can't see any evidence of the parasitic wasps in the black aphid population. So I'm like, oh, no. But the ladybirds are eating them. Oh, that's good. You need more of those. Yeah. So I think also the curled leaves offer a really lovely space for some of your pests to hang out. Mm. So now I've got doubly stressed plants. They're trying to produce fruit. They don't have as many leaves to photosynthesize. They've got someone sucking their sap. They're not Mm. happy. So if I want that tree to make it through this summer, I might have to make some decisions about, well, I'm not going to let it fruit this year or I'm going to have to maybe liquid feed them and or add compost because that's the answer to everything. Yeah, Um, add organic matter. Yeah, so supporting um your tree through this time and the the good thing about liquid feeding if you're using like a a seaweed type arrangement you can use that as a foliar spray as well so you can water your plant but you can also spray it on your plants so i've i've done that in the past where i've i've um liquid fed and i've got new growth and new leaves and that's helped you're gonna have to put in your calendar yeah that's right i am going to need to do that to try to uh, yeah, help those. After putting in four years of building them up and then getting to a decent size, I don't want to 
set them back too much. It's interesting because when we were kids, and I won't mention what decade that was or decades, <laughs> we had nectarine trees at home that I think were self-sown. Someone threw some some um, the middle of the nectarines out, threw the stones out, and um, we had trees growing, and they never had leaf curl. Um, oh, isn't that interesting? So I don't know whether it was about the variety or what, but now pretty much there are some varieties that are definitely more susceptible to others. So at work we've got a fabulous heritage white nectarine variety and that is normally more resilient than got some dwarf nectarine and peach varieties that get hit really hard every single year. And this would be the first year that I can remember in the last six years of me being in my workplace that we've been hitting really hard with leaf curl on all the um, the heritage varieties. So some, some of that will be about the weather and the temperature. Yep. Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, but, yeah, I think it's time that I also give everything good feed again too in the orchard. I need to get out there and do that. Um, and I need to, with my new whip snipper, get out there and whip a snip around all, um, all of those. We've been doing the fruit trees, but I need to do the uh, the roses. Wind barking is a real issue with you, your whippersnipper. Uh, yes, although I feel like I've got a good technique going now as to where I stand and put the guard closest to the plant, you know, oh, so that, yeah, so that I can't can't actually whippersnipper it. Uh, learned that the hard way with the Christmas trees. A few of those got whippersnipped, so... <laughs> Better them than the roses. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So anyway, that's what um what I'll do. I'm very excited about my quince trees though. I do love a quince tree and I've got a few and they they are all full of flowers at the moment. I'm lovely. When um when I went to see Lucy and Heather at Stonecroft, they had fabulous quince tree flowering and also a beautiful uh persimmon tree flowering. Mm, and I don't um, have a persimmon. Mm. I, I think they said it was one of the astringent varieties, like it wasn't necessarily fabulous for eating, and I think the possums and things get them first, but apparently it looks spectacular. Oh, beautiful coloured foliage. Mm. Mm, I've thought about getting one just for the foliage, really. I mean, I'm not a person and eater myself, but, um, yeah, pretty tree, really lovely tree. Can I ask one more question while we're on uh, trees? I do have uh, quite a good row of um the eucalyptus baby blues you know those that baby them? blue gum yes and I weeded, I weeded around them you did and they have grown so fast really really fast I put them in as a tiny little tube um, and they're a good size but I did see that someone had them along I think it was along their driveway and I think they were coppiced that the, the foliage looked really great because they can get sort of sort of craggy looking if you just let them go um, how they are and they can get a bit top heavy and I was thinking oh, I wonder where I should prune it off here or there and then I saw this coppice in and I thought oh gee they look really good um, and then the foliage is always quite young and it's good if I want to cut it for cut foliage as well but also keeps them in a nice sort of large-ish hedge sort of thing a loose hedge if they were coppiced. Now I'm a little bit scared to take the chop to them without getting some advice. So where should I be should cutting I them? So in general, eucalypts, when they grow back like as a, as a bushfire uh, response or mechanism, defence mechanism, you've got two things happening. So you've got some varieties that have a bit of a, 
um, a bulge at the base of the trunk, and that is called a lignotuber. And those are often um, varieties that are multi-stemmed from their base. Other eucalypts, which I think your baby blues might be, have um, what's called epicomic buds, which are dormant buds under the bark. So when you see uh, eucalypts shoot after a bushfire and they shoot all up the trunk, um, and you get this fuzzy new growth all up the trunk. It's not fuzzy. I don't know why I said fuzzy. There's <laughs> lots of it though. That is they're, they're the dormant epicomic buds shooting and not all that growth survives, but um, that's their response to really quickly start growing again so they can start photosynthesizing. I think with yours, if you've seen someone in the neighbourhood that has coppiced them, I would try and like, can you see them well from the road? Oh, they're not in they're my not neighbourhood. Oh, I thought that were nearby. Right. Mm. I would do a little bit of the internet research and then you can, what you could do is get your friend Jamie over and we could decide on, right, this is the test one and it's heaps easier for me to do it because I'm not emotionally attached to them in the same way you are. (laughs) That's true. I noticed that today I dropped past um, a friend's house. I'll come back to that. But they were like, they were like, now where do we prune these roses? I'm like, did you prune them in winter? No. Okay, then it's like this. And they were very concerned about my pruning, but I assured them I'm a professional. Look, I even have my own podcast. <laughs> so surely you can trust me. <laughs> uh, it'll be much easier for me to prune them than for you because you'll worry too much. Yeah, that's true. But now might be a good time to prune them because they might reshoot again this year. Mm. So I'd, if you're worried about it and if you can't find much on the internet about um, coppicing them, I would go, right, I'm prepared to take a chance on this particular one and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Because at the moment what you've got is trees that are sort of leaning over to the side, which you don't appear to love aesthetically Mm, no and you want multiple branches for picking foliage Mm -hmm. so basically I think you've answered your own question in terms of you're going to have to prune them yes it is just a matter of where yeah that's right I just you know I don't want to make it worse I'm hoping to improve their their structure and just hoping that I prune them back to somewhere where it will actually reshoot all right so see what you can find online if you can't I will just come and make an executive decision for you Okay, I'm good with that. <laughs> All right, done. Any other questions from you? No, no, they were my tree questions answered. Right. Good service. Thank you. Hey, have you got all your plants in the ground from Bolabek and your other purchases yet? Yes, I can say that now because when uh, yesterday, it's been actually quite a warm weekend here, and so when I was out uh, weeding the garden, I did find uh, I thought that I had planted everything and I found three tubes <laughs> underneath, sitting underneath some plants that I put them there thinking that's where I want those plants to go so they had got a little bit dried out so now they're having a nice bath and then those ones are going to be planted tomorrow the same thing I thought I'd planted just about everything except for my climbing hydrangea and then I'm like oh you've just said you found four tubes oh my god I left four tubes up the garden path I was going to put them into the my little native section and because I get distracted really easily, what happened was I got distracted and I've just left them sitting there and I've only realised that now. But I reckon I could get those in tomorrow morning before school drop off. Yeah, I mean, thank goodness we're at daylight savings now because it means that when I get home from work, it's not dark. And so I can go out and do that. I'm actually hoping during the, this week I can get some evening whippersnippering happening but I think I'll um, sleep more easily and I'm trying to keep up with the whippersnippering to keep the snakes away and your friend hasn't bought you your bandages yet so that's a bit disappointing (laughs) 
that's all right. <laughs> I think we'll make do. But I do um, tend to go into some of the long grass areas here sort of. Uh, I was actually, um, my flower patch has got a bit of uh, long grass around it and I was picking, putting my hand in and picking ranunculus. So I'll sort of go in and stomp, 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 stomp first to give any nearby snakes a chance to go out. But so it's actually a bit reassuring to go in whippersnipper first. <laughs> and I'd just like to um, just say what a joy it was to see you actually just stomp then while you told me that story. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could hear your feet stomping on the ground <laughs> telling me that. Well, you know, it's, I like it to be an immersive experience. I felt immersed. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> um, I bought my ranunculus home from work. I um, I was. Do you like it when I try and stir you up on Insta? Have you have you noticed? Yeah, me? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I haven't actually tried to one up your protea with my waratah yet, but I actually had a photo and I was trying to edit it because it was a little slightly fuzzy and I wasn't happy with it. So I've got to go back out to the paddock and take a better picture of my waratah. I bought my ranunculus home. These are the ones that I was like, oh, I've got to plant those, got to plant those. And I kept crapping on about it for months, planted them. They, I thought, oh, my God, they're not going to grow. Or if they do, they're not going to flower. Well, I've got flowers and they're looking great. But um, I bought them home, but I think I gave them a bit of a shock by pulling them out of the greenhouse. They're in pots. I can do that. And they're sitting on my driveway and they look amazing. I've got a little bit of powdery mildew on them now. This has come as a great shock to me. But they're not looking as happy as they were in the greenhouse. They're a lot more pale. Um, so I've been feeding them up because I want the corms to be really healthy because I love a return planting. Yeah, well, that's what I'm hoping from mine this year because I've got some lovely pinks. But the ones I'm really hoping that have been so slow to develop because um, I think the corms are smaller and I'm really feeding them up now because, again, I want big corms next year and they have been hard to get these varieties. It's the pastello variety and they were hard to get this year um, and I've managed to get a tray and not the, the whole tray didn't survive. But I reckon I've probably got about 180 of them that have still survived. So if they multiply, they're, they're beautiful. They're just like sunsetty kind of colours, really lovely. So I'm hoping return planting next year. I think if you've got something like that and you know you can't get them again and you're trying to feed them, there's something else that um, I'd liquid feed. A little bit of food and often, and again, because if, you, if you've got a watering can or several watering cans, it doesn't matter if you're going over the foliage with your liquid feeding, they'll be happy with that as well mm. as um, getting the liquid feed into the, the ground and the roots. They'll be happy with a bit of it on their foliage. Yeah, I'm um, doing a, like a sea sole mm. feed for them. Well, I was thinking of you yesterday. I had a massive day in the garden here, planted out a heap of pot plants, potted up a heap of things. I got um, a lot of plants off my sister just after Bollebeck because I was so excited about plants. I got more. I got quite a bit of Chinese meadow rue off her because I love that for flower arranging. But I just had it sitting in pots of soil with a whole lot of clumps in together. So I've potted some of that up. But I was planting out my gems and I was thinking of you because you didn't get any. But I was also thinking about, I think I missed out on the colour aesthetic genes in my family. I think my sister got double and I missed out because I didn't even look. I bought four of them. Didn't even check what colours they were, just planted them out. And afterwards I'm like, oh, I'll just check which one's which. Oh, I tell you, this is going to be a crazy-looking garden, Ben. If the if the red one flowers at the same time as my mauve scabiosa and my mauve dahlia, like it's going to be pretty <laughs> intense in this corner here. Part of me doesn't care. Part of me is like, yeah, I wonder how this is going to work. It'll be eclectic. Oh, and people will know. 
Ah, that's Jamie's garden. Maybe they'll become your signature. Oh, the yes, the eclectic style, yes. <laughs> But I also, at the end of the day, there was, oh, man, I had some things kicking around that would sort of fallen over in their pots and were coming out and their roots were showing and the poor little plants. So I've potted up a heap of things. And um, I also did some propagation with you in mind. I planted my two, I propagated my two favourite salvias. I don't like a blue salvia. There's lots of fabulous salvias. But gosh, I love me a blue one. Salvia semi-estrata. Everywhere I go, I see it and I'm like, oh, I love it all over again. Do you want me to shoot you a photo so you know what I'm talking mm, about? Yeah. And there's another one that I can't pronounce it, so I'm going to shoot you its label. Mm. I was looking at it tonight. I'm like, oh, what a nasty thing to do to a dyslexic lady to have that <laughs> as the name of the plant. I own a few plants of this. bought a couple of plants off one of my Eurovision horticulture mates because she propagates it. And uh, I saw it at, Bol- not Bolabek, at Broughton Hall. So it's got oh, chemedrioides. Thank you. Salvia comedrioides. Yeah, okay. Salvias are a really interesting place to go. If you're a stickler for a name, gosh, you don't, oh, you want to be careful. Oh, yeah, that's pretty. You might get tangled up with the Salvia Society and if they get hold of you and you've correctly named something. Yeah, it's a bit of a uh, of an obsession for some people, the Salvias. I've been to a few gardens where there's massive Salvia collections and they all belong to the Salvia Society. Well, um, I think the Salvia Society are after one of my Eurovision mates because she grows a very nice bit of Salvia and they've noticed that and I think they're after her. They, they want to do <laughs> For Sylvia oh, Cool Aid. I think there's a novel in that. Can you write it? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I'll add that to my notebook of stories for the future great novel. The Sylvia, which the one that I just made you pronounce. Comedrioides. Mm, I've propagated some of that for you as well because that Ooh. is amazing as cut flower. Oh, a little bit stinky. No, oh, so maybe a... not not that amazing. Fantastic <laughs> for outdoor arrangements. <laughs> <laughs> it's an uber, isn't it? Just a, oh yeah, this is for only for outdoors. Oh, I tell you, it's so good that you'd forgive it. Um, it's not stinky bad. It's just like, oh yes, that's a salvia, isn't it? Ah, uh, okay, I know the smell you mean. Yeah, uh, the salvia smell. So I've I've taken some cuttings, and but it's also suckering. So I'm going to dig up some of the suckers for you because I think you should mm-hmm. test it out. Because I think it's fabulous. So therefore I want you to think it's fabulous. Well, I was thinking today as I had whipped our what we call the good garden. <laughs> it's like you know how you have like the good front room in some people's houses? Well, we have the good garden. It's the one garden bed that's been quite reliably sort of looking good. I think what happened is that we, for some reason, and I think that reason was because it was when we prepared it when Tom and I both had a week off work at the same time, and this hardly ever happens. And because we did, we decided that we'd put the time into preparing it properly. We had a lot of really good compost went into it. We thought about how we were going to build it up. And then I did a bulk order at Antique Perennials. And so we got really good plant stock in and we're quite happy with it. And so because it's the good garden, I do tend to weed it more and look after it a bit more because I want to keep it looking good. And so now it's been going for a year and we're starting to see all the plants filling out there. I can see where the gaps are and what I need. And I think I need some dark purple-leaved plants in a few of the gaps. It's on a spot where it does get wind and it does get frost. Mm. So I found that, so the thing is there's lots of grasses and there's lots of silvery-leaved things and there's quite a lot of things with 
uh, small leaves because they're the plants who do well in that environment. It's not as easy to find dark purpley leaf things as a contrast. I have some plants that one of the Eurovision crew gave me, something bronze wing. Oh. I don't know the name of it, but he's me going something bronze wing. The perennial, lovely burgundy foliage, sectored leaves, Googling it. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's an acer that's a bronze wing. There's a, oh, there's a lot of, there's, there's a million different plants called bronze yeah, so wing. So stop looking it up and I'll, I'll find what yeah. it is and I'll, I'll send it to you. <laughs> um, I know a lady with seed. <laughs> that might work. Is the good garden the one? So if I was looking out of your lounge room towards the alpacas and you've got the circular yep. paving, yeah, I know the good garden. It, we're, we're trying to now expand that around there and uh, so it's something that I will be doing this week. I'm getting... 10 metres of mulch delivered. I'm going to expand out all the weeding and uh, lay down lots of cardboard and mulch over the top nearby. And then bit by bit, I'll start building up more planting pockets around that area. I was looking at my mulch the other day. I went to, oh, yesterday when I was planting out some things, I had a couple of poor little hellebores in tubes still that didn't get planted out months ago when I planted the other ones who were just hanging on by the skin of their teeth. <laughs> Why have you forsaken us? Um, <laughs> Got them in the ground, but it's really hard because there's so much mycelium in my mulch. It's like the mulch is a mat. I did. Um, yeah, I did sometimes wonder with some mulch that um, I've had whether when it's got, if it's got really fine particles, like if it's gone through a bit of a chopping up process, whether that does sort of can form a bit of a, a mat, um, which is fine for paths and in-between areas where, yeah, I'm not needing as much water percolation, but if it's directly around the plant, I sort of get you know stir it up a little bit, or just try to go for something a bit more open. Mine's got large particles, but it's been aging for over a year, mm. and um, I did notice when I moved it from the mulch pile to the garden, like it was it was almost white with mycelium, mm. and then obviously I've disturbed it by moving it from the pile to the garden bed but it's decided that it's okay where it is and I fed it because I was feeding the plants that it's just created this um this mat. I don't think um I don't think it's a problem like I you know uh the mycelium is breaking down the really big mm. mulch you know the lignin in the mulch and the cellulose which my plants can't break it down so essentially it's going to be feeding plants but it's just very difficult to pull in it to get a plant in the ground. So in some parts I'm like, I think I'm just going to layer again. So I put more horse poo and compost on top. So I've sort of used the mulch as a base layer again. I'm like, oh, well, when in doubt, add more organic matter. Well, that's mimicking nature, isn't it? I'm always mimicking. Because <laughs> mm. that's how the soil profiles would, you know, slowly get developed. I'm not sure that they have so many horses come through and poo. Oh, well, you're just floor. lucky. I'm lucky because... I've got friends with horses. I used to. I had a Clydesdale cross. That guy, he really, he, oh, he was a fabulous chap. You met him. You, oh, you he was him. a lovely horse. Oh, my God. Uh, he delivered a value for money horse poo. Things that came out of the rear end of that horse. Like I was reflecting upon this. there's different sorts of families. Like I remember going with my mum when I was a kid and picking up horse poo after Jim Carner, the local Park and you know your little dustpan, dustpan and broom <laughs> set up. Mum used to have some extra dustpans so that we could sort of scoop horse poo. And I remember some primary school kids seeing me and teasing me about picking up horse poo. And I'm like, what problem? They're like, you're picking up poo. And I'm like, and my son is now going through the same experience where so I'm planting out 
the plants at primary school on Thursday and it gets to playtime and all the kids come out and they've realised there's some horse poo involved in my bit of compost and they're like, is that poo? And I'm like, yes, poo. And my son was there and he's explaining to people, it's just made out of grass. I'm like, yes. So it continues. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> but I was I was really proud because there were some other kids there like, yeah, that's from my horse. Yeah. I do recall many years ago you actually got some quite exotic poo when a circus was not far from where we were living and you ended up looking at getting elephant poo. What or did I just talk about it? Well, you talked about it, so I thought you did it. I can never remember, but um, one of one of my son's school teachers, she was telling me recently that she went with the wheelbarrow once upon a time and got the elephant poo after the circus has been, and she reckoned it was the best manure she'd ever had. These are the kind of conversations that I'm having around town. Yeah, well, it's actually it's one of those things that wherever I go, conversations happen, and frequently they're to do with manure, but often I have noticed that I am the common denominator in conversations about bodily functions relating to poo. But we don't need to examine that. Let's just leave it there. So I went to Cloud Hill today. Oh, yes. After the open garden that I went to with my sister, I decided I need some packets of seed. I feel I need zucchini seed, a few other seasonal things, because we've discussed that I'm an optimist and a cynic. I, the optimistic me is going to try and grow some broccoli. Um, I'm going to try and grow Romanesco broccoli because it's my favourite. So aesthetically pleasing. And anything that wants to crack out the Fibonacci sequence in your veggie patch, like I'm a big fan of that. Oh, who wouldn't be? No. Gosh, it's a good-looking broccoli. Who would have thought that we'd get to this like, oh, gee, oh, that's a good-looking broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely hit middle age. (laughs) Middle age? What are we going to be like when we're older? Oh, it'd be fabulous. Bought bought some seed and looks like Cloud Hill in their retail section because that's run by diggers. It's separate to the garden they didn't have a lot of stock in for winter but I think it's maybe because they're doing it up so half of the nursery was taped off and it looks like they're maybe renovating it so I have high hopes for them what you need to know though is that I bought from there I bought tri-color zucchinis love a packet of seed where you can get three colors of zucchini in one I bought some pumpkins I bought more pumpkins because I'm still on a big pumpkin patch at work and at my son's school so I bought Lakota because they look pretty. I bought mini Lebanese cucumbers. I bought my Romanesco broccoli, heirloom lettuce mix, and some ruby Brussels sprouts. Oh, that sounds like a good list. Ruby Brussels sprouts. I've never grown ruby ones before. I'm going to give it a go. See if I can keep the cabbage white butterflies off everything. That'll be a miracle. And then after that, I took my sister over to a friend's house to check out their landscaping. Oh, they've had some beautiful landscaping done, and they've got this fabulous fake creek that's been put in, probably 10 or so metres long, but you can't tell it. So it comes out of a dry riverbed and goes under this fabulous little bridge that they have, uh, sort of runs off into the landscape, and then it just recycles back to the top again. Looks good. It sounds good. Um, They also have ducks. The ducks love it. Oh, what do the ducks do to their plants in the garden? Are they a bit nibbly? I think um, the ducks have been all right. I think they cover a few things, but uh, with netting to keep the ducks out, the ducks are apparently great on bug control. Mm, I've heard that. The only thing, they said they won't eat are centipedes. Ducks do poo a lot. They do. Is it a big place, a big garden? Very nice suburban block. It's not huge in the scheme of things, but really well, very well appointed. There is something nice about water, like running water in the garden. Yeah. So yes. So what's next? 
for this coming week? Well, I want to sow seed. So the seed I bought today, I'd like to sow. So I'm tempted to pop into work tomorrow. And oh, one of the things that I discovered at my friend's house when we were looking at the landscaping, they've got this beautiful plectranthus variety that almost looks like a little salvia. It's got a tricolour leaf, so it's green, white, and it's got a little tinge of pink on the edge with purpley blue flowers. Um, that was gorgeous. They let me pick some cuttings. Um, they're sitting in water on my windowsill. I'd like to get those in under mist. So some cuttings in, maybe the salvia cuttings I did, I'll drive to work as well because they'll be happier on the propagation bench. I'm going to dig up some salvia suckers for you to test out to see mm. whether you think the stink is appropriate or not. Um, <laughs> mm, appropriate stink? Mm, can't tell. <laughs> I'm going poo scooping tomorrow after school. Love a good poo scoop, I tell you. I'm actually quite meticulous when it comes to it, I cleaned up the arena last time we went poo scooping and I actually got a little bit thingy because there were horses in there because it's a grass arena. They came in and they just dropped a poo after I'd cleaned it. And I was like, um, uh, I'm actually excited about that because good poo. Not everyone would be. What I'm noticing, Erin, is that I'm not everyone. But there will be some people out there who will identify strongly with that. Well, my friend Ange, who does the school plantings with me, Ange loves a poo scoop. So we'll be there together because some of the horses are hers. And what we've discovered is we love a scoop and a chat. Oh, that sounds good. A scoop and chat. Yeah. It's actually really lovely quality time together. Job that's got to be done and it's so much more enjoyable when you've got someone there with you. That's true. It is one of those jobs where if you're doing it on your own, you're just scooping poo. And for you, horticulturally, what have you got on? I am going to be doing more of my whippersnippering and I am going to be a bit, a bit of a liberal application of slasher today. Um, I'm going to be cardboard and mulching again. That never seems to end. And because I really need to feed up a whole lot of things that are starting to get a bit of new growth on them. My, I'm getting a bit concerned about my little gem magnolias, so I need to give them quite a bit of attention. So this week is a bit of a maintenance week. May your herbicides be organic in their rating and may they destroy the vegetative matter they come in contact with. Is this a horticultural blessing? I think it is. Thank you. Oh, is out. All right. Bye. Just a note on our very catchy garden hose tunes, we have our original music composed and produced by Martini Toothpick. Martini Toothpick are Dan Zielinski and Mika Coleman. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we reside and recognise their continuing connection to lands, waters and communities and recognise that their wisdom and knowledge has been passed on for thousands of years.